I'm Kyle Dyer, and welcome to Colorado Inside Out on this Friday, June 2nd. I am ready to kick off a new month back in Denver after some time away with my family and thrilled to be joined with tonight's panel. Patty Calhoun, founder and editor of Westward, and also Krista Kafer, columnist for the Denver Post. Thank you both for filling in for me over the last couple of weeks. I appreciate it. Also on this week's panel, Eric Sonderman, columnist with Colorado Politics and the Denver and Colorado Springs Gazettes, and Chris Work, managing editor of Denver Business Journal. In just days from now, we will know who will be leading the city of Denver into the future. Tuesday's runoff election will decide who will be the 46th mayor of Denver. And there are three runoff races for city council seats. Patty, this will be interesting to see how it all turns out. Well, the most important word you used was leader. It is time we have some real leadership pushing Denver. Last summer, I was so worried that Denver had lost its mojo. And we're actually kind of coming back with... Casa Bonita, of course, the most important thing in the world. But the Nuggets playoffs, people are feeling good about the city right now. Mm -hmm. And if we've got the opportunity to get some momentum and push for some leadership and real direction for the city, I think it's important. We have huge issues still, of course, that we have to deal with. And the issue of money in this race is getting really strange. So you have the Fair Elections Fund, which led to 16 candidates looking for your vote back on April 4th. Now you just have two candidates, but you have all this money with independent expenditure, expenditure committees. I'm trying to figure out where Mike Johnston, his group, he doesn't, he doesn't order them around, but where they are spending $4 million. Maybe I haven't turned on the television enough, but lots of money is being spent on this race. Mm -hmm. Krista. And it's not the only race, right? We also have C.D. Gabaka. We also have, uh, let's see, Hoffman and Lewis, so three very hard liberals running against three moderate Democrats. So I would love to see the moderate Democrats, um, you know, win those elections, obviously. When it comes to mayor, there's two really solid candidates, Bruff and Johnston. I I got to see our, kind of our wonderful debate here at PBS 12, and they're both very thoughtful. I, I don't agree with everything, obviously, but I, I think that either of them would make a great mayor. And But I think with these other races, it is a little bit of a referendum in the sense of does Denver want more of the same in terms of, of crime, in terms of uh, urban camping and vagrancy? Do they want that or do they want something else? And so my hope, being a Denver native, is that they will want something else, something better, and that the, the city's, you know, Great days are ahead of it still. I find this, Kyle, to be an election of really small differences. I mean, at the end of the day, the differences between Kelly Bruff and Mike Johnston are not all that big. Now, obviously, differences get magnified in any race. One of the arguments these days is about money, particularly Johnston's money, where you have to wonder what is the impetus for all this money from these tech zillionaires around the country. And the only conclusion I can draw is they don't care all that much about who the mayor of Denver is. They're investing in Mike Johnston's next campaign, not this campaign. They're investing in who Mike Johnston can be on a state or national level. Uh, if Johnston pulls this off, which is probably where most of the smart money would bet right now, I think it's because in the first round we eliminated sort of all the real lefty kinds of candidates. And with two establishment centrist candidates, the voters may gravitate toward the one who is slightly more progressive than the other. If Kelly Bruff pulls it off, it will be obviously the first female mayor of Denver uh, in history, and it will be the result of a real outpouring of votes from women around the city who think it's finally time, and when we tape next week, we'll know. And I know that the, the turnout thus far 
is better than April. But you would think since we haven't had a new leader in so long, the turnout would be better. Maybe this weekend we'll show something. Chris? Well, Krista made a great point about this isn't the only race. And if you look at those council races, they're raising big money. And the candidates that are raising the big money are the moderates. You look at these moderates and their positions, they're nuanced positions of what the more progressive candidates are. The question is, with business coming in, bringing money into these moderate candidates, will they succeed? Will money really tip the scales? Or will voters decide otherwise? I think that's yet to be seen. Okay. The real question is, will voters actually vote? Yeah. Because we're looking at a small percentage, what, 11% I think have voted by now. You could go up to 36%, which is what we had in April, but that's still a fraction of the people living in Denver who should care about the future of this city. So there is no excuse. Everyone needs to get out and vote. And if you've lost your ballot, you can still go get a new one on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. So I would disagree with that. I don't think everybody should get out there and vote. If somebody doesn't care and doesn't know the issues and doesn't know the candidates, do us all a favor, don't vote. Or move. <laughs> or move. <laughs> or move. <laughs> And you know, my take in the first election was that turnout was somewhat kept down by the sheer volume of candidates, that a lot of voters just, it was an overwhelming number of candidates, the differences between some of them were very small differences, and voters threw up their hands and said, get it down to two, and then I'll tune in and, and make a decision. Well, we'll see if that theory was right or not. There's going to have to be a heck of a turnout over the weekend and next Monday, Tuesday. Otherwise, that's going to fall short. And like you were talking about the mojo, I think being involved in the community and voting, and if you're informed and you're voting, that's part of the mojo for our city. We need to be kind of connected and come together on Tuesday. And if you, if you can't tell the differences, and there are differences between these candidates, and there is information out there you can look at, you should still have a feeling for who you would like. And... I don't think we come out a loser either way. I think both of them are capable of being strong leaders. Okay. All right. Uh, aside from a lot of political campaigning here locally, a lot of political maneuvering is also at play at the national level. On Wednesday night, the House of, the Rep of Representatives voted in favor of a bill that suspends the debt ceiling for two years, a compromise deal that we all know was worked out by Republican House Speaker Kevin McCarthy and President Biden last weekend. It's been kind of the talk for several, several weeks. Krista, a lot of Colorado, Colorado Congress people um, voted, did not vote for this bill, and one person did not vote at all. Yeah, so uh, Bober didn't show up, is my understanding, and also um, Ken Buck, he voted against it. And, you know, I get the position that we are $31 trillion in debt, which is pathetic and long-term is going to be a problem. And so wanting a better deal is understandable. On the other hand, we had divided government. What else are you going to get? I think that there's a small victory here for Republicans if they got anything at all. If you think about it, they just have the House. Uh, Democrats have uh, you know, the Senate and the administration. So what, do you, what more can you get than some of these modest changes? And I think, honestly, that $31 trillion and the constant debt spending is not going to change until there's something cataclysmic. Because you know, people want free stuff. Can you really blame the politicians for giving them the free stuff that they desire? I think this is equally shared in terms of blame between the politicians and the way they vote and the fact that they never cut spending and the people themselves who, who are demanding everything from business and farm subsidies to personal subsidies to, you know, everybody wants free stuff. And until there's some kind of major crisis in this country, um, a, a default perhaps, um, a downgrading in our rating 
um, something goes really bad, we're just going to see that debt number go up and up and up. Meanwhile, we'll have this dog and pony show every couple of years where we go, oh, the debt ceiling, and then they fix it with supposedly with, with some minor reforms, and we go on and just keep on spending. Wow, I thought I was Debbie Downer. <laughs> uh, I wish I could disagree with you, Krista, and I can't. Uh, I, I would start by saying I think there's a distinction on this one between Ken Buck and Lauren Boebert. Ken Buck, his opposition to this package struck me as principled. He's voted against other debt ceiling relief or uh, extension packages. He is seriously concerned about the amount of debt in the federal government. And, you know, we, we need, quite frankly, more like him of either party who emphasized that measure of fiscal responsibility. Lauren Boebert gave all the sound bites about what an awful package this was, but then couldn't be bothered uh, to, to show up and vote. And as we tape, well, it, in advance of this show airing, Boebert has not provided any explanation for where she was or why she couldn't make it to the floor of the House uh, to vote. I would hope the explanation is a pretty good uh, and compelling one. I wrote a column a week ago. I called this battle the wrong battle. I mean, a nation has to pay its bills. If you've incurred obligations, you have to pay for those obligations incurred. No different than any of us have to do at the end of the month. But you can also, over the long haul, make a concerted effort to make sure those obligations come down or the revenues go up or somehow this is in balance. We are on an unsustainable glide path in terms of the escalation of the, deficit, uh, the debt, and we're now doing it at much higher interest rates. This is not free money we're borrowing like it was a few years ago. This is carrying very substantial cost to each American just to pay for the borrowing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with Eric's point, too, about the differences between Congresswoman Boebert and Congressman Ken Buck. Um, I heard several interviews with him where he actually offered solutions. Hey, let's pass something that keeps us from defaulting. Because at the end of the day, nobody wants this country defaulting on its debt. That would be cataclysmic, as Krista mentioned. Um, meanwhile, Congresswoman Boebert is making a lot of squawking noises about how bad this bill is, but really offered no solution. He talked about even capping spending um, on the different departments within the government. You know, that's solution-based. And at the end of the day, everybody has to come together, figure out a way to cut spending. I don't know a good way out of debt other than cutting spending. Yeah, you can earn more, but you also have to cut your spending. This has to be handled in appropriations, and until it is, we're gonna keep seeing these battles every couple of years. Well, and we've been getting used to a lot of spending because of the pandemic and just throwing money at different projects, state, local, federal, and that at a certain point is gonna to have to end. What's been fascinating is just watching all the political players. So they're not just dealing with the debt ceiling, or not, in the case of Lauren Boebert, but as you get ready for the presidential lineup, and you have Jared Polis, bless his heart, challenging DeSantis and saying, we're going to bring Disneyland here, which I think would be fine. We don't know what's happening with Elitches, so why not bring Disneyland into Denver? But with the presidential race, I saw that they're going to be talking to Nikki Haley in Iowa, and I'm like, Wow, we are already into that circus. So we are in for a short-term wild ride and then a very wild ride for the next 18 months. And more names are expected Coming to be announced. Coming all the time. Yeah, in the next week or so. Okay. All right. Well, Susanna Cordova, Cordova, the former superintendent of Denver Public Schools, 
is the sole finalist now to become the Colorado Commissioner of Education. She will formally get approved for the position when the State Board of Education meets mid-month. Cordova will be the first Latina in the role of Education Commissioner for our state, where one-third of Colorado students are Latino and 46% of students are of color. Eric, she has a lot to tackle right off the bat. Oh, it's a tough job. Uh, she is the right person for this job. It's such an obvious choice. I almost wonder, you know, what took us so long or why anyone would be surprised. So welcome home, Susanna. She got run out of DPS by the new board majority, went to Dallas as the deputy superintendent down there for a few years, has been consulting for the last period of time. Um, she has a big job ahead of her. Uh, I think some appeals from DPS might get... Uh, a little bit of extra attention there, given some of the rift between the DPS majority and Susanna Cordova. That's going to be an interesting relationship, and obviously DPS continues to step in it um, in just in the last 24 hours. Tay Anderson, Scott Esserman, one other board member, you know, announced on the school resource officers that they want them nearby but not in the building, as if nearby is going to work. I quipped that, uh, you know, maybe Tay Anderson should be nearby the school board, but maybe <laughs> not on it. <laughs> I hadn't thought about it, and the election is coming up for a new school board in November, and she'll be in place then. She has a lot to do, and a lot of changes are in the works in terms of education funding in our state right now. Sure, but she's proven that she can handle tough subjects. She came in at a time during a teacher's strike, and then she negotiated a very hefty settlement with the teachers on their pay. She's also navigated the pandemic. I think this is a classic story of karma. And karma can either be good or karma can be bad. It's karma. Karma is karma, right? On her case, she resigned from the school board. She did it in a graceful manner. She went to Dallas. She made her way, improved herself, improved her career. She's contributed, continued to do that, and now has been hired in this state role. That's good karma for her. She has done very well in how she has handled herself. On the other hand, the school board, one particular member in you know, Tay Anderson talked about how with her departure they were going to usher in this new chapter at DPS. Well, that new chapter has been riddled with gun violence, school closures, and now this argument over, you know, safety resource officers. So it is a classic tale of karma. Denver Public Schools is not the only district that has issues, although they are bad and they are ironic, given her coming back. You've got what's going on in Doug Douglas County. You've got Woodlawn Park. You have real issues with how kids are being taught, how they're coming back from the pandemic. I think she's a perfect person to come in, the person who's been in that spot, what, eight years is leaving, retiring. That, that Cordova is available, interested, and willing to return to where she got treated so badly by the DPS board. Um, we had several Latino leaders um, including Han Hancock, joined them, Federico Pena. They wrote an op-ed for us in Westward just about how badly she'd been treated and how important she would have been to students in Denver. So now she gets to be important to the entire state and maybe get a little revenge at the same time. <laughs> I think she's really, uh, really, really thoughtful. Yeah. I, I interviewed her on radio a number of years ago when she was at DPS. And 
just a very thoughtful, thoughtful person. And she's been in education for three decades. So she's been a teacher. She's been in the administration. She's been in all of these roles. Um, she's well-liked by, by teachers, well-liked by administrators. Her only issues are really with, with the board, and we know that the, the board has issues, right? Um, so I'm glad she's coming back in, and I, I like what Chris had to say about karma. Um, she did, did the right thing, and, 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 and good things are happening. I hope other people's karmas, maybe Tay Anderson's, will also um, result in people getting kind of what they deserved. In this case, uh, maybe permanently being near but not on the school board. Just a thought. Just a thought. Now, I was away, so when I saw that name, I was like, oh, was it a surprise or was this, was everyone expecting her to get a position back here? I, th I thought it was a pretty big surprise. Yeah. I saw the statement from Polis and I thought, brilliant, but who knew? Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, with the summer travel season uh, now upon us, a lot of people are getting ready to head out of town. Colorado AAA says 59% of us are taking summer vacations and 45% are booking flights to vacation out of state. If you have flown, Anytime soon, you know that DIA, the world's third busiest airport, is over capacity. Chris, on Thursday this week, a brand new program called Den Reserve started up, where people can sign up to reserve a time to go through security. This is different from Clear or pre TSA PreCheck. It'll be interesting to see how this rolls out. Very interesting. I think they're going to have to have a huge marketing campaign just so people know this is available. You know, if people don't know it's available, how do they plan for it? And then that's another aspect of it. Travelers are going to actually have to plan to get through this security checkpoint as they have, you know, signed up for. Well, a number of things can happen. You Maybe you don't get your ride to the airport. What happens then? What uh, Flights are delayed, and then you get through security, and then you're sitting there an additional four hours. Things like that. I, I don't know how well it's going to work. It seems to be a Band-Aid for right now because... Not only are we the third busiest airport, but they're pushing northward in numbers. Every year, year after year, we're making record numbers, the records being shattered. And so it's a Band-Aid for right now. I know with the Great Hall renovation project next, uh, I think it's 20, early 2024, they plan to open an additional security point in, in the west side. And that's supposed to open up 18, 17 lanes um, for security checkpoint. But right now it's a Band-Aid. We'll see if it works. And those lines, when you turn that corner and you look down and see how far oh, the yeah. lines are going down that hallway, you're just like, oh. So, Patty, it'll be, it, this program, you'll reserve your time to go through security at the 8 concourse, which is kind of in the place we've all kind of scooted to to get, you know, to our gate sooner. Well, but at least that'll show you where to go. You know to go to the eight concourse. The worst thing about flying out right now and going through security is when you hit those long lines, no one tells you where it starts. No one tells you where you have to go. So often you walk one whole length of the terminal, and I know I've done this, take dragging poor mom with me, that you to find out just where the line ends, then you have to fight for your position from all the people trying to butt in. But I will say this, I had 30 two Calhouns in Colorado for a family reunion. Half of them flew in, no one lost their luggage, no one missed a flight, and they all made it through security. And Lord knows, it's a suspicious bunch. <laughs> the Calhouns? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Um, you know, it'll, it'll just be, I, I guess this is the city saying we need to do something. Yeah, they definitely need to do something. I, I'm not a person who is um, really sensitive to envy or, uh, yeah, I, I, I tend to figure I have my lot in life. 
But when I'm standing with the gen pop, walk, watching the other people with the clear passes that have paid for them, moving, and I'm, we're all just sort of standing there glumly, I have to admit I feel a little bit envious. So I'm glad that there's going to be a free service. This, this den reserve is a free service. It will encourage people who occasionally run late, like me, um, to be there exactly when they say they're going to be there and, and, and to just manage the situation. I think, in a way, the real problem is, and everyone on this, this panel is old enough to remember pre-9-11. Mm-hmm. In fact, remembering even as kids when you just went through a simple scanner, um, you know, to make sure you didn't have a gun on you, <laughs> and, and you went right to the air, airplane, usually with your friends. Um, and, and I think we remember that, and then we stand in that, that horrible line thinking, um, you know, have we really come so far? It seems to me that the real solution to this would be maybe to hire more people, but I don't know. It seems like other airports <laughs> have it better than at Denver, you know? I think there are multiple problems, and I think there are, you know, multiple fixes that are out there. The biggest fix is just to get this darn renovation project to the finish line. It seems like it has dragged on forever. Flying through DIA or using DIA as the starter end point of a trip these days is just a miserable experience, both from a user experience viewpoint, from an aesthetic viewpoint and just the vibe of the place. Now is the time to go around the table with some of the highs and lows that we have noticed this week. It can be locally or somewhere else. There's lots to talk about. Let's start with the disappointments this week so we can end on a positive note, Patty. Well, even if you're not flying, you face challenges traveling Driving over Bertha Pass, for example, with the potholes, I would say it'd be nice to get CDOT out there soon. I know Eric's landed in some some of those potholes. And also, I think it's great that Viva Streets is coming back on Sunday, where they close Broadway from Alameda and all the way Welton and all the way up to Five Points. But do we have to bag the meters on Friday? Do we have to put out the signs today? The poor businesses that will lose that traffic, the people who would come in on Friday and Saturday, that's a sacrifice we don't want to make. Why do they have to do it so far in advance, I wonder? They just do. We'll get an answer, I'm sure, after this show. Okay, hope so. All right, but what do you think? So I'd like to give a shout-out to Dave Williams, the head of the Colorado GOP, who, um, <laughs> thanks to his lack of, I guess, fundraising prowess, um, the party is, for the first time in 20 years, not able to actually have payroll. Um, and I, I get it, you know, people don't necessarily want to contribute to a conspiracy theory or somebody who wanted to insert Let's Go Brandon into his campaign name. Um, I think it's time for him to step down and for the GOP to become a viable party again in this state by picking a better leader. And you brought this up last week when you were hosting this show. I, I did. Um, and then it's also in my column this Sunday with, um, you know, a little sarcasm. I'll just go with two words, Miller Moths. <laughs> So what do you think? What disappointed you this week? Oh, well, I was disappointed because I finally put in an offer on a home and I did not get accepted. I'm sorry. But the real estate market is crazy right now. I'm not going to whine about myself. Um, interesting announcement from Governor Ron DeSantis that Starcom is going to Florida, a program that's been here in Colorado, part of Space Force, which is the, um, the military aspect of um, space operations been created. It's interesting because so many Colorado businesses contribute to the space industry. In fact, our reporter Greg Avery at the Denver Business Journal did a story about the next frontier for war is space, China, Russia, U.S., and how they will be fought with satellites. So 
unfortunate if, if if it's true that Starcom's going to Florida, it's a big loss for Right, Colorado. if it's true. Is what he says a done deal? When I saw that article? You know, I looked online, it said that it's the preferred location. To me, that says it's not a done deal, well, but we'll see. he prefers it because it's his state, right? Right. <laughs> and he's yeah. losing Disneyland. He's losing Disneyland <laughs> in Colorado. <laughs> it was funny. That was good. All right. Something else that was funny or positive or good this week? Well, as I said, I think Denver's getting its mojo back, so get out there and experience the city. You don't have to have pay to go to Ball Arena. There are are plenty of other places. There's the powwow up at the fort. There's Viva Streets, which is exciting, and the return of City Park Jazz. All great events in Denver. Absolutely. So I visited Lakeside Amusement Park. You know, it's been around since 1908. It is such a, uh, a faded beauty, though. I, I wish that the South Park guys that have fixed up Casa Bonita, if perhaps they could take over Lakeside and bring it back to its former glory. Uh, Colorado Springs is going through a changeover next week. Uh, Yemi Mobilad takes over as mayor. That will be something fresh, something different. Hats off to him, but hats off also to John Southers, who is a public servant par excellence uh, and has served that city and with distinction as he has in many other offices. Yes. And Chris. Well, this past weekend, I got to lay eyes on the Blue Mesa Reservoir, which is about 70% full. The Gunnison River is raging, and it still hasn't even reached peak yet. They, the locals predict that it's maybe peak somewhere mm, fifth, maybe sometime next week in June. And it was wonderful to see that much water. They predict the Mesa will fill 10 to 20 feet from the rim. I've seen it at the rim. We certainly could use a rim year. But it's great to see that kind of water. Unfortunately, we need several years of that back to back. Yes, we do. All right, thanks. I would like to recognize something positive as well. And it's that hometown, hometown pride that sports brings out and how fortunate we are to have our city and our Denver Nuggets in the national spotlight for their talent and for not flaunting their talent throughout this season their sportsmanship on and off the court has stood out so let's all embrace these next couple of weeks i was just in london where on sunday you could see hundreds of soccer fans walking down the streets and gathering in intersections singing songs and cheering for their team right before during and many hours after the playoffs so the elation it was pure genuine and happy and i hope we all have a happy couple of weeks ahead here in Denver with the good mojo, right? Thank you all for being here at the table. Thank you all for watching here on your TV or your device. You can catch Colorado Inside Out anytime on pbs12.org, YouTube, or Spotify and Apple Podcasts. I'm Kyle Dyer. I will see you next week here on PBS 12.